This podcast is part of the Robots Radio Rocket Club, a program designed to help all podcasts reach their full potential. For information about joining the Robots Radio Rocket Club, check out robotsradio.net. Welcome to the Inheritance Cycle page-by-page podcast, where we'll be reading through all four books in the Inheritance Cycle series, chapter-by-chapter, page-by-page. We'll also offer our own insights, theories, and first impressions of the wonderful world of Allegasia. May good fortune rule over you, may the stars watch over you, and may peace live in your heart. Hello and welcome to the Inheritance Cycle page by page podcast where we talk about the Inheritance Cycle or Aragon books page by page and chapter by chapter. I'm one of your hosts, Austin, also known as Teacup. And I'm your other host, Shelby or Sheacup. Right. And here's where I tell you to please leave us ratings and reviews on Apple or Spotify. That is the best way to support the show. If you leave us a rating with five stars, we will read it out on a future episode of the show. Also, come hang out with us on Discord. You can join the Cups Podcasting and More Discord server, where you can hang out and talk about all of our podcasts, including this one. We love to see you there. So today, we are talking about the chapter, Master of the Blade. And so in this chapter, Aragon tells Brahm about his vision and his scrying of the woman in the prison. And then there is some travel, Aragon... And Safira take a swim in the lake and have a good old time. Aragon and Brom begin to spar, and soon after they begin, they're done, and Brom proclaims to Aragon that he's taught him all that he can teach him. And they have a brief conversation about how Aragon could match or become equal with those who would be better than him. And then Aragon and Brom have a conversation about how you fight with magic, where we learn a little bit more about how magic works and what a wizard's duel is. And that those are the three big events that happen in this chapter. So, Shelby, what stood out to you first? Well, to be quite honest, the thing that stuck out to me first is none of that. <laughs> um, the thing that stuck out to me first is that in this chapter, we reached the halfway point of this book. Oh, we did. Is this chapter 30? I don't know exactly what chapter it is, but there's like 550 pages and we reached page 275. So oh. well, that's exciting. Just- yeah, I thought it was exciting. I read it on Kindle, so it's not like I knew until way afterwards. Um, but yeah, I thought that was a fun little milestone we could celebrate for a minute. But was, yes, go ahead. I have something funny because so I look at these on Kindle because it's the easiest way for me to have all the books with me at once. And so my Kindle tells me that this chapter is 12% through the book. But as you have the special edition i have the edition that has aragon inheritance and Bersinger all together and then i have an ebook of inheritance later see that's really funny because mine says i have the same thing and mine says eight percent but i have all all of the books together so yeah but i just thought that was interesting because i was like oh are we at 50 percent? no why is that well not even close no. 
But anyway, so yeah, let's get into my reflections a little bit. So I I definitely thought it was very interesting that Brahm says it's impossible for someone to know that they are being scried on. Just with Aragon's experience with this woman. Um, I know Aragon thinks that she looked right at him, but I wonder if she actually looked at him or she just like looked up while he was scrying or looked at something else in the room or whatever, something like that. Right. What do you think? I think that, yeah, we're just going to have, we're just going to um put a pin in that. You think that you can't say anything. That is correct. Well, okay, that's fine. So continuing with this train of thought, in this lore dump that Brahm does, he also says this this was supremely interesting to me. He says that dreams touch the spirit realm. <clears throat> Dragon Age. Okay, Dragon Age is not the first fandom to do that. And I would like to point out that- Well, this what is? I mean, that's a that's a common theme across fantasy. It's dreams connecting us to the spirit realm. I mean, that, that was a belief system in the world for a long time. I mean, yes, that's true. But to specify that, like, dreams take you to the spirit world that- like that's that's something you can physically do i feel like is a little bit different well this book was written before dragon age origins so yeah like seven years Mm -hmm. um anyway i just wanted to say that i thought that was interesting um so let's move on to their training a little bit because they are continuing to train and it's pretty astonishing to me that aragon picks up this sword skill in his left hand i guess i think it says left hand um his non-dominant hand so quickly and he he has basically mastered sword sword crafting like dueling with both hands so that he's now ambidextrous in fighting and he's done that in like a week's time less than probably well i think that for a lot of people especially in the world that we're living in and i've primarily agrarian world a work with your hands have a trade craft thing being ambidextrous is more of a necessary skill than it is for our world i don't know if i would agree with that i mean it i mean think about if you're a farmer if you're a blacksmith if you're a smith if you're any of these things and you break your dominant hand you have to learn and pick up to do it with the other hand yeah absolutely i'm just gonna remind you i grew up on a farm so i know (laughs) i know things i thought you were gonna say when you first started talking about this that um it shows how good of a swordsman he is that he can pick that up so quickly but also i think once you like learn a skill once you become confident in a skill once you become superior even at a skill it's easier to learn it in your non-dominant hand than it is when you learned it the first time right that's true Uh, so if we compare this across other other fandoms other worlds and universes Uh, The first one that comes to mind is obviously the Princess Bride, where uh, 
Indigo Montoya and the Prince or whatever, or the Wesley. Wesley, that's his name. Um, they're dueling on there and they're both like, the joke's on you is I'm not left-handed and they switch their hands mm-hmm. to realize. And that's the funny running gag. And then the other one that I thought of is Jamie Lannister for our obligatory Game of Thrones reference. Um, that's only an Assassin's Creed lore cast. But, you know, just Jamie Lannister, he loses his hand and he's not a competent swordsman with his left hand. And he even says, at least in the show, I don't know about the books, but in the show, he says to Bronn when he's training, you know, or Tyrion or someone, he's like, my instincts are all wrong. I, I can't, I'm not the same fighter I am because his instincts are wrong. I think that he is still a competent swordsman. He's just not the best swordsman like he was previously. That's I think true. that's a pretty big distinction. I think it's also, I think with Aragon, this unique thing is that Aragon is not like Jamie would have been training and fighting with his left hand, with his right hand a lot longer than Aragon is. He's a lot older than Aragon is when he loses his hand. Whereas Aragon, when he has to switch, he's only been, he hasn't even been really training to be a swords fight, swordsman for more than a year. So he's still in that learning stage whereas jamie hasn't really had to learn how to fight with a sword he's just trying to keep his skill where it's at right so it's harder probably for jamie lannister than it is for aragon right yeah absolutely um but let's move on for this a little bit because they do reach the lake leona well and and let me just say i was kind of a dumbass when i was reading this because i was like oh lake leona that's cool and totally didn't even connect it that the town name that they were going to is dross leona anyway so i was i was struggling there a little bit i bet it means something like town on the lake i know probably something stupid boring (laughs) um I just thought it was interesting, though, that like right before they get to the town, it talks about how it's just turned spring and all this. And then immediately after they go swimming, and I'm just like, is it warm enough for that? Are you not freezing? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, it's so it's interesting to me. So let's let's do some timeline here. Yes, please. We start the story in like dead of winter. Or like near the start of winter. Yeah, I thought it was like the very beginning when he goes about right about to be winter, the last vestiges of fall when he goes to the spine at the very beginning. I think you're right. So we've got fall and then we kind of have a time through winter as we're waiting for the traveler, the traders to arrive. So... I'm just a little confused because I thought the traders arriving is like the mark of like spring because the snows have melted for them to pass through the mountains. Right. So I'm just, but now it's like the first vestiges of spring. I guess, did they have to go through the mountains when they went from Tyrum to Drosleona? Let's get a map. Yeah, let's do it. It's such a beautiful world. It really is. Word. Okay. Let's get a big... I just want to look at the image. 
Open image in new tab, paolini.net. So they go to Yazwag, Derrett. Yeah. So, I mean, they're pretty, oh, okay. they're pretty far south. Right. So, but no, to go back to the original question, no, they would not have really had to go through the mountains to get to Dross Leona because they just follow this Toark River, which it does say that in, in the, in the book, um, but right. it cuts through the mountains. Right. So it's probably like just a valley. Yeah. Going on there. Um, I have never looked at this map before. Yeah. Um, so it's, yeah, for those of you listening, I mean, Carvajal, if you haven't looked at the map, all the books come with a map if you have hard copies. I don't know if they're in the Kindle version, but all the hard copies come with a beautiful little map. Carvajal is in almost one of the most northern parts of Allegasia. Um, and then close to that is Theronsford and then Yazwak, Derek. So the they're the longest journey between places that they've made is from Derrett to Tiram. I would say that from Tiram to Drosleona is about equal, though. Yeah. So it's funny to me, like, I'm seeing a few places because, you know, I, I listened to snippets of this audiobook a few years ago when we were making road trips, and I do recognize some of these, some of these town names. Yeah. So that's interesting to me. I'm like, okay, well, you're going to be important later. Like which one? Farthender. Oh, yeah. Urubane. Well, you know Urubane. That's true, I do. Whereas I summon the phantom joke, Urubane. <laughs> that's funny. Also, something interesting to me right now is this lake, Isen Star. Isen Guard, maybe they've oh, the taken one, that from the one that Gilead is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Also, I will tell you that me as grown up Christian, it's Gilead or something like that, but I always pronounced it in my head as Gilead. Gilead. Oh yeah, for sure, for <laughs> sure, for sure. Um, so let's get back to the content of this chapter. That was a little yeah. bit of a tangent, but but at least a, a nutritional tangent, not just a, a junk right. food tangent. Um, so yeah, they go swimming. It's probably still pretty cold. Also, something that stuck out to me is Aragon can see underwater and like he he's not struggling i'm sorry i cannot relate to this anytime i've ever opened my eyes underneath the water it's been so painful and so blurry and no i just can't do it so i can't relate yeah i can't i can't do that either like all my friends were like oh i don't need goggles i was like i cannot open my eyes underwater unless i, I know even when i had goggles on the water came in and so i'm like it hurts too much i can't right well, that's that ruins our snor our snorkeling plans. We had plans to go snorkeling. Now we don't. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't know that was a plan that we had. Anyway, let's get back to the chapter. Um, 
So let's talk about the duel, right? Like this mm-hmm. is this is probably the crux of the chapter. Aragon has surpassed Brom in sword skill. Like that's where we're at. Um, it's the first time he's ever beaten Brom, and Brom is basically like, "Yeah, bro, I can't teach you anything else. Like we can practice, but." You're not getting anything else from me, which is pretty significant because Brahm himself is a good swordsman. Yes. But I did bring a quote, as I as I am wont to do. This is on page 277, and Brahm is talking to Aragon, and it's like right after he has beaten Brahm in this sword fight. And Brahm is like, okay, we're done for the day. And Aragon's like, but we just started, and Brahm says this. I can teach you nothing more of the sword. Of all the fighters I've met, only three of them could have defeated me like that, and I doubt any of them could have done it with their left hand. He smiled ruefully. I may not be as young as I used to be, but I can tell that you are a talented and rare swordsman. So my reflection on this is not only that Aragon is a good swordsman, he's not just an excellent swordsman. He has the potential to be the best swordsman in all of his country because he, Brom himself says of all the fighters I've ever met, which we're assuming he's met a lot, but he says three of them could have defeated him so quickly and none of them could have defeated him with their left hand. So Aragon is very, very, very talented at sword fighting that's really significant we're seeing one of his gifts come out i do believe i think in the real point of what you see like how he actually is and why he would be one of the best swordsmen is that when brahm tells him that the elves and those who use magic really would be his better his first response isn't like, okay, well, I'm as good as I can be. So as a human or whatever, his first thing is, okay, how do I be better than them? Right. His first response is like, okay, how can I use magic to make myself as good as them? (laughs) It's like, Aragon, that's, you're not there yet, buddy. Like just bask in the goodness of where you're at. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, he, I think that that's a really honorable trait of his, um, that he always wants to improve himself and he's always looking to become better. I think that that's very admirable. Right. And I think that this is something that will come up later in the series. Aragon is best. He learns the best. He improves at the fastest rate when he has an opponent. Yes. And I think that's true for most people. Right. Um, but yeah, he does not like being surpassed. No. Well, let's get into this little mini lore dump that Brom does at the end, and then we can get into my predictions. But so we learn that elves are superior fighters, and so are the Razak. Um, Razak, whatever. I don't know how to pronounce it. Razak. Okay. Anyway. So they're superior fighters, but we also learn about the magical duel and that there are very strict rules and it's like worse than a regular duel. Um, And then we learn at the very end that Galbatorix is a master 
at overpowering your mind via magic. And that's how he was able, supposedly, to conquer Allegasia so quickly. So in the ability to like enter another person's mind, you can break down their defenses and basically assume control over them is how that works. And so he just does. Galvatorix became basically really good at breaking into his opponent's minds. Right. And really, like, once he took down the riders, there was really no one in all of Allegasia who could... Hold a candle. Yeah, absolutely. Did you have any reflections or thoughts about this chapter that we haven't covered? Other than, like, I still didn't understand, like, what, like, power makes the wizard's dual rules, like... Mm -hmm. What stops me from just attacking before? I guess there is that one moment where you can counterattack. And I know exactly why those rules are there now, because I remembered something about magic that we learned later on, but I can't tell you. Well, that's helpful. Sorry. (laughs) Anyway, moving on from that, are we ready for predictions? I am. So I have three today. I may be way off with these, but these are my best guesses. So first one, I think that Brom knows or knows of the woman that Aragon scried on and saw in his dream. Okay. Second, I think that Aragon will have to fight an elf soon. And then lastly, I think that Aragon will have a wizarding duel by the end of the series. All right. Interesting predictions. Stop trying to read my face. It's just, you make it so easy. <laughs> Mouth twitching and moving around constantly gives well, you away. That doesn't say anything. I move around all the time. I have ADHD. You're, yeah, but you're moving around more than you normally do. You know, I have that on video now, right? Uh-huh. All right. Are you, anything else? No. All right. Well, if you don't got anything else, I think we can end it there. Thank you all for listening to the Inheritance Cycle page by page podcast. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Inheritance Cycle page by page podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Inheritance Page or email us at inheritancepage at gmail.com. Make sure you join us on Discord in the Cups podcasting and more. All links are in the episode description. May good fortune rule over you. May the stars watch over you and may peace live in your heart.